<clears throat> this morning's reading is in two parts, um, from Mark, some verses from Mark 14, verses 22 to 26, and 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 to 29. Okay, so the first reading from the section, The Last Supper, Mark 22. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. One Corinthians eleven from verse twenty-three section correcting an abuse of the Lord's Supper. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Then whosoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. Amen. Okay, and as I pass over to Michael, giving today's word, just may Lord be with, Lord you be with him, and uh, yep. Amen. Thanks, Muriel. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning on Zoom. Uh, I've been asked by Chris whether I'd uh, offer a reflection on uh, communion. And as we lead on into that, that's, uh, that's my hope and prayer. First time I saw communion, I was about nine years old. My friend and I came out of the, the children's classes, nothing interesting, as interesting as motivators, I think. But anyway, we came out of this, and the church wasn't yet finished. We went to find our parents, looked through the big doors, and there was a chink. And there was total silence, and nobody was speaking, and nobody was praying. Nothing was happening. And my friend said to me, hey, they're eating something. <laughs> and I said, let, let me look. And um, those seconds are imprinted on my memory. They really are. 
because I realized there was something utterly strange that I didn't know went on in church. And uh, in that very, very strange moment, even though I was only nine, I knew there was something special going on for God, which, of course, there was. For um, Jesus only gave two bits of ritual as commands. And the first was baptism, which is when it all begins publicly. It's a kind of initiation in front of a world. It's extraordinary. And we saw it last week, and it was glorious with Rachel. And the other is to be repeated as the continuing building part of who we are, the communion service. Do this to remember me, Jesus says. And it's in block capitals. Do this to remember me. It's a command that Jesus expects of his people. But it, it's simple because it's just stuff. It's bread and something to drink, wine, whatever. It's not that for us as we, eat, as we drink today. But it's just something anybody can do. And Jesus says, do this to remember me. Now, I need to say, there may be some today who will not want to take part in communion. And I realize that could be visitors, maybe people for whom this is just not appropriate. Maybe Jesus is not yet a personal Lord and then it's not appropriate. But I, I want you please, well you have to really, unless you walk out now, to listen. <laughs> well you don't have to listen, I know. But just, just, just absorb what's going on because this is important what goes on. And we need really to prepare ourselves for it. And how do we? How do we remember? Well, the obvious thing is we look back. In many churches, it's called the Lord's Supper. And that reminds us immediately of the Last Supper. And we think back, and Mark's uh, account, of course, is set in that upper room. And it's got this uh, group of disciples bickering about who's important and just having another Passover meal with Jesus as far as they're concerned. Judas is there, all this stuff, blissfully unaware of any major significance around the corner. And then Jesus, of course, takes bread and said, this, my body, in Aramaic, it would have been that, this, my body, and the cup, this, my blood. And they know it's different. But of course, when we remember back, it's not the act of Jesus taking bread and breaking it in that room. It's what Jesus was pointing to, my body, my blood, the cross. And we should be remembering climbing the hill to Golgotha, that hideous sight of the best man who's ever, ever lived, hanging on a cross with the baying crowds, the gash in his side, the thirst in his throat, and the unimaginable agony of something happening, which we, 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 well, we can't imagine, because it blacked out from God, Father, why have you abandoned me? Jesus is doing something, but no, only he can do, a son of God, to take away the sins, the rebellions, the great barrier there is between humankind and God and as he hangs there you hear you know greater love has no person than this than they lay down their lives for their friends and you are my friends if you do what I command 
Because as I'm doing this very act, it's because I seek to be your Lord. And in that moment of his giving for us, he opens up the door for me, for you. And that's extraordinary to think about. It's, it's at the heart, really, of our faith that somehow for me, this has happened. I, uh, in my ministry, once or twice have had people who've said, I, we can't any longer take communion. I can't take it, they say, because I'm just not in the right place. I'm not in a, a good place. I'm just not. I'm just not there. And of course, the the truth is that it is precisely when you don't feel in the right place with God that you recognize the gulf there is. I mean, we're never in the right place. You never feel good enough to do this. Never, never. Because whenever we're honest and begin to see ourselves from God's perspective the kind of people we could have been the things that might have happened and didn't because of us and the sheer damage that we've done we know we shouldn't we don't deserve it and yet Jesus calls us because this is the very place where he asks us in such sorrow there has to be we've said a prayer of sorrow there is grief. There should always be grief at this table. It's at that, the, in that very relationship where we recognize we don't deserve that we can come with such, yeah, confession, but also such thankfulness. That uh, spiritual goes, uh, were you there when they crucified my Lord? Sometimes it makes me tremble, tremble. And, uh, you know, we weren't there. Uh, Of course we weren't. And yet, because it's cosmic reach, because God's doing what only God could do, God so loves the world, this is something once and for all, it is, it's unrepeatable. By definition, unrepeatable. Jesus, God's son, has died for you And for me, it is for us. And so we're going to sing again in a moment. And we need just to reflect. Let's be quiet. I want to read to you the second verse of Stuart Townend's song. Because it takes actually a little bit like that spiritual. It puts us us there. Behold, the man upon a cross... My sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. Oh Lord, this is serious. This is the one place, the only place where we remember just what you have done for us. Help us that we might with such gratitude and humility sing these words to you. Let's sing my father's love 
how deep the Father's love for us. Because uh, though looking back is obvious, uh, that's where we truly remember what's most important in the world, in the death of Jesus. But we also, and this is equally important, we look around. Because Jesus is alive. Some, uh, some fellowships leave the central table open, uh, central chair behind the table uh, open. No one's sitting there to remind them that Jesus is the host. And in the spirit, Jesus is there. He is here. And Jesus, by his spirit, is calling us together as alive, of course alive, risen, that we might be his people in a very special way, in, in communion. Because he's made us a new people. And that's what we remember, a communion. Somebody say it was like spokes of a wheel. And the closer the spokes are together, then, of course, the closer, as you nearer the hub, everything is. It is a communion. Very close. And who we are and how we are really matters at communion. Jesus says in uh, Matthew uh, 23, you know, if a brother has something against you, and it's an interesting way it's put round, then you go and sort it out before you come. We, we, peace is important between us. That's why when you read 1 Corinthians, which of course takes the words in the Gospels and it makes them the institution, it creates the format for worship in the Corinthian church and churches ever since. We call it the institution of the Lord's Supper. In that, it's very clear that the examination of ourselves, especially about our discerning this sin in the body of Christ, which is, because the body of Christ is a church, is about um, our relationships. And this is big and this is heavy. But within it, there's this profound sense that Jesus is saying, you know, I love you as a people. It's never just you. It's never just personal. This is always corporate. It's always fellowship. It's always together. You can't do this. Of course, you do take communion. I do to people who are dying and people in hospital and people who are frail and and sometimes people who may be on Zoom here, well, that's the way they receive communion. But it's, it's a together thing. And it's interesting because in some traditions that some of you will know well, more liturgical traditions than ours, this is quite important because after prayers of penitence, the minister at the front will say, we are the body of Christ. And then say, we are baptized by the Spirit into one body. Let us pursue peace. And goes on, and the words that I was looking up just to check that I was on, wasn't doing disservice to my more liturgical back, uh, friends. Pursue all that makes for peace and build up your common life. Uh, you do that before the communion. And then, of course, the, the minister says, the peace of the Lord always be with you. And you say, and we 
with you, which is really nice. And it must feel good if you're the minister having everybody saying that. But then the minister says, and let us offer the sign of peace to one another. Now, uh, some of you have been doing this before you came here on a weekly basis. I know, I know it's quite common. And, and uh, I know, um, well, I, I think back, I've done this. I remember Carol and I were in a church on holiday and uh, it was Eucharist, which of course is, is the name Thanksgiving for many traditions for the communion service. And it came to this moment, he said, let us offer one another the sign of peace. And Carol was sitting next to me, so, so I did that to Carol. And, and she did it to me. And uh, yeah, but next to me, right next to me was this man. And he, I think, had his family, I can't quite remember. But he, he turned, as you, as you probably would to those closest to, and the peace and it can of course be if you're really close to somebody I suppose a hug I suppose pre-covid that was even easier anyway uh, hugs um, handshakes uh, and he turned and then I turned to him of course to do my thing and uh, he sort of looked at me I said peace be with you and he sort of looked and muttered I don't know what it was but something over my head he didn't even look at me and, and this is where, of course, you feel ritual and all that stuff really has got a bad name. Because what was this about? Because at the end of the service, he got up and left without another. And we were visitors. And, and you think, so, hey, this is meant to be real. Look at the person sitting next to you because you are bonded with them. And Graham began the service. You know, we're brothers and sisters. Unbelievable. With, with these people? I mean, as you look around, are we really present? We look at each other and we think we're so different from each other. And we've got, you know, what have we got in common? Everything in Jesus that matters. I mean, in other ways, not much in common. Everything in Jesus. And so we're going to do that. I'm going to invite you to offer a sign of peace. And to look at the person sitting next to you. I mean, really look at them, not like the man did. Uh, and, and maybe smile. Because this is a great word. And if you're not going to take communion, you say, this isn't really for me yet. I hope it will be one day. Then this is a good moment. It's belonging moment. And, and look at the people either side of you, made behind you. We don't want this to go on too long. But this is always, in some traditions, a preparation. Because this is us. It's not just seriously personal as it is. We take the bread and we, we eat that personally. It's seriously corporate because we take the cup and we drink together. And we hear the words, this is the new covenant, the new agreement. I've made you a new people. You are my new people. And at Histon Baptist Church, you matter to me more than you will ever know. Together. So... Let's offer the peace to one another in Jesus' name. There's just one further direction. Uh, looking backward is, as I say, the, the obvious place back in the Lord's Supper. And looking around involves us as a communion together. 
because Jesus really wants us to do this to remember me together. But it's also looking forward. And there is that uh, verse in the instructions which 1 Corinthians 11 is, and it always seems to be answering a question. Whenever you eat or drink this, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, it says, verse 26. And uh, it's almost as though the question is, how often should we do this and how long do we keep on having to do this? And uh, it doesn't actually say how regularly. Some people it's every week. Some people like us, it's every month. Uh, but what it does say is, you keep doing it until you meet Jesus. That's what it says. You keep doing it until you meet Jesus. Because this has immense impact for you and me. Obviously, there's a little picture about our lives, about where they're going to, about what the future holds, and about, especially for those of us who are older, what it means as you look ahead and... Uh, that uh, Andrew preached on it a few weeks ago, that sense of Jesus giving us such living hope that we recognize there is an inheritance that won't fade or spoil or perish that's kept in heaven for you. There's a sense there's something so powerfully true that the resurrection Lord who will say the last word over our lives and when it comes to the service and, 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 and that sense of committing somebody, their earthly life is over. This, this extraordinary conviction that we have in faith that we have an Easter Lord who says the future, your future is with me always. I will be with you always. But there's also the big picture. And the big picture is the one that, of course, uh, until he comes, it says, and speaks of a way in which this whole world, which seems so crazily messy and awful to live in, and so is still within the purposes of God, who will bring it to conclusion. And Jesus, this lonely figure upon a cross, is actually Son of God, before whom every knee shall bow. And you have these, these extraordinary pictures in scripture like in Revelation 19 and, and 21 about the judgment when the Christ comes the great war and the hallelujah as people share in the marriage feast of the lamb more feasting and uh, the new heaven and the new earth where there's no more death no more mourning no more crying it's something new and Jesus says remember me remember what I've done for you I've done it you might be my friend I might be your lord and remember how you're a new people now you've got people you can utterly trust people you can love people who are for you and with you I know it doesn't always work like that but Jesus wants it to more and more and you have in me, a Lord who will never let you go, not to the very end of the end of the end. I won't. And I love the word proclaim there. 
because it's a preach word. It's actually saying when we do communion, we're proclaiming something. We're witnessing that Jesus is Lord and he won't let us go and he's, he's not going to let this world go either. Even though as we pray for it and we can't understand how it could ever come right, in, in the end, it, we're told it will in Jesus. Proclaim. I had, uh, in my training for ministry, I had a, a very strong personality as principal. Very, very strong. And he had all sorts of passions and convictions. And I'm sure they made it, they impinged upon me. Uh, and the biggest passion was communion. And he was absolutely sold on the importance of communion. We couldn't miss it as students. And he told us how to do it as, as, as potential ministers. But he went on and on and on about it. We, I never forgot it. Oh, it's obvious, isn't it? But then I learned later that he'd been a student uh, at the Perth School, not Hills Road, just a bit further along. I was at Hills Road in the Scripture Union, a Christian Union, and it was tough. Pray for you. But he was at the Perth. No idea quite what state he was in, but he went into St. Andrew Street Baptist Church and took communion. Or at least maybe he was wondering about communion. I never quite knew the story, but in communion he met Jesus for the first time. For real. And of course that can happen. That 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 is one of the wonders of what it means to be alive and in communion with Jesus, who is alive. <laughs> and so as we come. As we prepare ourselves, there is a sense, a powerful sense, in which Jesus is ministering to us right now. And maybe for the first time. Could be. But certainly with the worries you have, the lack of strength you have, the doubts you may have, the critical issues that may really trouble you, really trouble you, Jesus is ministering, and as, as we take bread, it's a kind of witnessing. He's alive and doing his thing, and he's going to keep doing it to the end of the end. And so we come. Christ, Christ has died, and humbly we come realizing, looking back, that Jesus died for us upon the cross. And Christ is risen, and joyfully we realize that he's alive, and he's made us his new people together. He's in the midst of us as a new people. And hopefully, we realize that Jesus is alive to meet us again together, and to help us and sustain us, for he will never let us go. He's the hope of the world, our hope, and the whole world is in his hands.